Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidry is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277. I got Brother Manny here with me. Oh my goodness. We gonna do better than that. But come, Manny, would you come on up? That's your mic, yeah. I don't know that we as a church and we as, Deb and I as a family have ever felt more synergy with another church in New England than we do with restoration. We all could use a little bit of restoration right now. Amen. And so uh, we're just going to pray over this man of God. Deb, would you, would you just put your hand on, on Fredlin, his wife? Fredlin, I'm just seeing an increase of that prophetic gifting. The gifting that once wounded you will now be the gift that brings well-being to others. It's the encouragement and the edification of the body of Christ. The discernment that once wounded you will be the discernment that now heals. The discernment that now brings direction. There's an increase. There's an increase even of the joy of the Lord on your life. In this crazy uncertain time that would crush others, this is the time that will cause you to rise. I'm supposed to be praying for Manny right now. But there's just like this this column of honey amber glory flowing down over your head right now. And you're in this season of increase. Somehow in the squeezing, in the crushing, the oil comes out. You are a living picture of an alabaster box that's being crushed at the feet of Jesus. And it is for worship. It is for glory. There's such power in your voice. There's such a shaking in the atmosphere that comes from your voice in Jesus' name, and I recognize you even now as prophetess. I recognize you as one who will speak the word of God in this region and in this land where he has set your feet for such a time as this. Oh, it's so needed right now, and you are in the right place at the right time, even in those moments of fatigue, even in those moments where you don't feel like you've got anything left to give. He shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory and I don't even know where you guys are in the home process but I can't even pray about that because I got an agenda on my heart so I'm not even going to speak about your home but man we just love you and we bless you and now we recognize Manny as a son first but a man of God before you one has been who has been trained who has been raised up who has been anointed who has been through struggle who is in struggle but yet he stands firm upon the foundation of your word and we receive him as a brother we receive him as a father and we give permission to him to speak the word of God that has come to him at this time not just in this moment but that has been fashioned through fire over decades 
Not because you're old, but I'm just saying that you've been through the fire and you're in the fire right now. And it's bringing forth pure gold. And so I speak power and anointing over you right now and we receive you in Jesus' name. Would you give an awesome bridge welcome to Pastor Manny Daphne. Uh, Y'all need to pray for your pastor. (laughs) Bridge, good morning. It is such a blessing and a privilege to be with you all on today. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, your servants desire to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Man, is it truly a privilege to be with y'all on today? Man, and so are we. We're humbled and honored. It comes at a time where I believe the Lord is continuing to fashion uh, kinship, brotherhood, friendship. I don't even know what to call it. But uh, I do believe in a lot of ways, Bridge, that y'all's is family. And uh, as such, man, I am excited to be in my Metro West home, man, because God's faithful. I've known y'all's for a little bit. Uh, and um, it's funny, I, I had the opportunity to travel to China back in 2019. It was part of a program that I was in. And uh, this program took us to China. And if you've not been to China, China's an amazing place. And in this particular trip, we went from Beijing to Xi'an to Shanghai. And uh, the trip was uh, from Gordon Conwell. And as part of the trip, we had opportunity to meet leaders in the government-approved church. For those of you who don't know, you know, China does not allow for folk to gather freely as we have the privilege to do here. And so we met some leaders in this kind of free self-government sanctioned church, as well as we met some leaders in the underground church uh, that wasn't so uh, government approved. Uh, And as we met leaders uh, and talked with folks from different places, what we heard and saw really clearly was there were two distinctly different churches in China, right? There was one church that longed to experience the fullness of God, right? And was seeking after God. And then there was another church that kind of went through formality. The last city we visited was Shanghai. And as we were in Shanghai, we met with some marketplace leaders. And there was this guy who was a marketplace Christian leader. And if you could imagine, 
that brother was risking his life sharing the gospel on his job. And as he was sharing, the Spirit of the Lord dropped something in my spirit regarding him, that there was something going on with family. And so after he was done, I said, can I speak to you for a moment? And I spoke to him. I said, brother, here's what the Spirit of the Lord said. And I just want to pray with you and encourage you. And he was kind of shocked that, you know, I kind of had this picture. And afterwards, just left it off, left it alone and kind of went on my way and he went on his way. But then the next day, the leader of our, of our group, Dr. Lee, Dr. Lee said, Manny, brother Sam, Sam was his, you know, uh, American name, clearly not his name, but, you know, brother Sam was asking if he could meet with you today. I said, okay, cool. And so I met with Sam and as I met with Sam, he began to share different things about his experience. He kind of affirmed, you know, the word of knowledge that I, I released to him. And then he pulled out a book. The book he pulled out was this orangish book. And it had John Paul Jackson and the Kansas City Prophets on the book. And I was like, whoa, dude. Man, you know, I fellowship and connect with this church in Boston that was started in part by that dude. And then I recall coming back from across the planet, home, and sharing this with Paul, right? And when I shared this with Paul, y'all know who your pastor is. Paul was like, man, that's interesting, man. I was in China not too long ago and they tried to kill me, man. I had to be snuck out by some folks so that I could, you know, make it to the airport alive and stuff. But oh well. And he kind of shared it as if it was nonchalant because that's who your pastor is, y'all. But here's what's remarkable about the story and why I start off with it. I'm not sure you're aware of this, Bridge, but the reality of the call upon this house goes far beyond this house. The reality of who the Lord has called you to be in this region, in this season, isn't just for Natick. It isn't just for Framingham. It isn't just for the Metro West. And I really believe the Lord has brought me, sent me here on assignment to kind of remind you of something. Something that you know, but something that I believe the Lord has called me to stir up a little bit today. And so it's my prayer that y'all don't throw no eggs at me. And y'all just bear with me. And if I step on toes, it's all right. Bridge Metro West, you were never intended to be a church. I want to state that again. You were never intended to be a church. Rather, 
you were intended to be an apostolic center that empowers prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, leaders to go forth, to go forth and change the region. There, I don't know of another church with the prophetic mantle in this region that's on this house. And again, it's not by accident, it's on purpose. You were founded so that folk like me could go to other parts of the world and see this seed of what it is the Lord has called you to bear forth to the, to the nation's family. Prophetic people hear from God and boldly release what saith the Lord. They are the spark that sets ablaze a region, preparing ye the way of the Lord afresh in that space, in that season. This isn't just about salvation's family as our evangelical brothers and sisters place emphasis upon. Rather, this is about the edification, exhortation, and comfort to equip the body so that it grows stronger and not just wider. We aren't merely concerned about conversion numbers and baptisms. Rather, we're concerned about creating a culture that understands that so much of me is yet to be converted. And it's in this daily repentance and bold obedience that I can actually begin to live out that what Jesus and the apostles did. And people are dying, family, waiting for the bridge to step up and be the bridge. Bridge, you're a part of the spark that's supposed to set this region ablaze. All of these prophecies spoken over New England were connected to Bridge Metro West. It's not just a prophetic culture that you carry. It really is a Jesus culture. And we'd call today's message Jesus culture, but there's a group called that, and that kind of gets misunderstood. So here's what we're going to call it. Today we have the privilege to share a message entitled The Culture of the Revivalist. The Culture of the Revivalist. The Culture of the Revivalist. One of my favorite voices in the kingdom today is a worship leader slash pastor named William McDowell out of Orlando. And recently, I heard him define revival as this, the response of God to the cries of his people. Revival is not an event. It's the response of God to the cries of his people. Revival is not a series of meetings. It's the response of God to the cries of his people. So it's not Pensacola or the Toronto Blessing or Azusa Street even. It's the response of God to the cries of his people. When I heard him say that, I said, whoa. Man, does that align with Acts 2, right? The Spirit of God couldn't be released 
even though it was preordained and prophesied, but it wasn't until the cries of his people actually went up before the throne that the outpouring of the Spirit of God could be released and then the church could go forth. And I'm not sure you're tracking with me, but I'm praying that you are. We've come to a day and age where what the Lord is looking for is that would we be a people who would actually cry out before him until the spirit of God is poured out upon this place. People are dying. And the Spirit of God longs to be poured out. Yet the people of God aren't crying out. Hmm. There is this upper room thing that happens before the day of Pentecost, right? Where the people of God make no mistake they understand that in order for them to be who the Lord's called them to be, in order for them to be empowered from on high with God's power and his spirit to do what it is the Lord has asked of them, there's this upper room requirement that must first be met. And I contend we live in a generation where this upper room requirement, many of the people of God seem to forsake longing to get the presence of God, the manifest glory of God without going through the upper room process. The upper room is required. Hmm. I often imagine the day of Pentecost. Y'all ever do that? Yeah. I often imagine this weighty glory that came, right? And it was so tangible that people saw fire descend upon the 120. And when I think about it, I think about there's only one way that this came about and could ever come about. And it's the upper room process, family. Shameless plug coming. Uh, October 22nd through the 24th, Restoration is collaborating with the Bridge Metro West and Remnant Boston to bring forth a prayer summit here at the Bridge. And it's my prayer that that becomes an upper room experience. It's my prayer that tongues of fire descend upon the people of God and then it spills out of here as it needs to because this is desperately what our region needs. some dope ringtones up in this house. <laughs> Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29, familiar passage of scripture. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And family, I believe that this is the heart's cry and desire of the Father for you and I. Upper room required. So funny. I don't, you know, purport to know every story of every single revivalist of the last, you know, 500 years or anything. But there's one revivalist whose story I just love. Charles Finney was one of my favorites. He came about during. <laughs> Finney came about in the early 1800s, 1820s, 1830s. And the reason I really like him is because his work kind of coincided with the abolition movement. And what he really was about was seeing kind of all of these distinctions be broken down. Like this whole idea of women praying in church. Oh my gosh, Finney was one who was one of those first guys to allow women to speak and pray and read scripture. Heaven forbid, right? Um, he was also known for not being one to say, hey, certain people of certain hues weren't allowed in certain meetings, right? Finney's kind of known for being this radical trendsetter in this way. And the way these meetings went, I actually want to read a quote uh, that, that, that came from a work on Finney. I'll just read it uh, verbatim. Finney, doo -doo -doo. in speaking of Finney, a leading pastor in New York who was converted in the Rochester meetings gave the following account of the effects of Finney's meetings in, the, in that city. The whole community was stirred. Religion was the topic of conversation in the house, in the shop, in the office, and on the street. The only theater in the city was converted into a livery stable. The only circus into a soap and candle factory. Grog shops were closed. The Sabbath was honors. The sanctuaries were thronged with happy worshipers. A new impulse was given to every philanthropic enterprise. The fountains of benevolence were opened and men lived to good. Whoa. Yeah, do it again. It's this idea that when the Spirit of God is poured out in a place, that place radically changes. And it changes holistically, right? It's not just the church scene changes, right? And more people come to church. Forget that. It's about more church people going in the, out into the world and changing the entirety of a community as a result of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. So Finney's kind of one of these guys attributed uh, with being one of the fathers of the second great awakening. But one of the things I hear a lot is, well, I guess that's the preacher's job then, right? Or the prophet. 
then they're supposed to be the ones who then change the world or, you know, allow the spirit of God to be poured out on them, right? And I say hogwash to that, hogwash. Because what we just read here, what we just read in Joel chapter two is that in the latter days, the spirit will be poured out on all flesh. All flesh, all flesh, all flesh. This is why I like the bridge. Shoot, at the bridge, I believe that some of y'all pets prophesy. It's such a prophetic house in this place, right? And the truth is, it's this picture that from the foundation of this house, the nah, we're gonna walk in who the Lord's called us to, but I'm here today, family, because I really believe that my assignment is to remind you of who you are. My assignment today is to remind you, Bridge, that this region desperately needs you. Shoot, we're down in Brockton and we need you. We need you to be you. Because here's the reality. There's an oil that flows from here that's flowing for this region. And we've heard all of these prophetic words over this region. And I contend, family, that it's about us walking and stepping into who the Lord has called us to be. Y'all notice I keep saying us because I'm up in here, y'all. I gotta be. This is, this is home. This is home. At least one of my homes, shoot. What I'm trying to really convey here, and I pray you hear God's heart, there is a mantle and a grace and an oil that the Lord desires to flow out of here. Not just in here, out from here. And it starts with every single person in this room or watching online acknowledging the fact that God has called us not to sit here and be comfortable, but God has called us to take what he's deposited in us out into the city, into the highways, into the byways, into the country, into the marketplace, into our uh, extended families, so that folks concretely know that there is a God, that he is real, that he is still in the business of healing and delivering, that he is still a miracle working God. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, you are a revivalist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you gotta find somebody else. You gotta find somebody else and say, you're a revivalist. Yeah, 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 all right. Now I'm gonna invite you all to stand to your feet and we're gonna state this 
bold declaration because this is what we do here at the bridge. We make declarations and decrees. And are y'all ready for this one? Amen. Praise the Lord. I need you to shout with me. We are revivalists. Oh, that sounded so good. Praise the Lord. I want y'all to make one more decree with me again. Y'all ready? We are here to change the region. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. How do you do that? I'm so happy you asked that question. It's a good question. I don't know. When you find out that, no, you can have a seat. Have a seat. Towards the end of Apostle Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, Paul states the following Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. I want to reread this. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16. I want to reread this. I want y'all to hang with me and follow. Reading in the NIV. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Hmm. It's almost as if what Apostle Paul is doing here in his letter to the Thessalonians all throughout Uh, He is uh, talking, encouraging, really, the Thessalonians, particularly in this epistle, to work. Don't be idle because you think the Lord is coming. It don't matter if he's coming. Work until he get here, right? And then he kind of brings it all together right here. Almost, if you will, giving the believer kind of a summary sheet of instructions as to how they can carry out the mandate upon them. And I'd like for you to see these really concrete three points that we're going to make today that I believe embodies the culture of the revivalist. The first one is this, rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always. Can we make a joyful noise unto the Lord up in this place? Rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always, rejoice always. This idea of rejoicing encompasses praise. It encompasses lifting up your hands and thanking God for who he is. It doesn't matter what your situation might look like. I'm rejoicing, right? And what you're doing when you rejoice is you're literally trading in your sorrows and your burdens for joy. Isaiah 61 encompasses this thought, right? And it's this idea that if I might be joyful in the midst of my storm, what happens is my storm, my circumstance, my situation now takes second fiddle. Why? Because I'm rejoicing. I'm thinking about the goodness of God. I'm thinking about not only his goodness, what he has done. Rejoice always. The next one says pray continually. 
Pray without ceasing. Does this mean you pray 24-7 every waking hour? No. But what it means is that there's this idea that you're continually in fellowship and communion with the Lord. Right? It's this idea that you're regularly praying. And you understand that you're an upper room people. So there is some time that you devote to that upper room. Why? Because you know that that upper room is the precursor to the oil being poured out upon you and then ultimately through you. You pray continually. Do we pray continually? Is that a part of who we are? Is that how we get down, y'all? Do we pray continually? Rejoice always, pray continually. And this last one, guys, is the one that I think is hardest. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks when you're homeless. Give thanks when you're in the hospital. Give thanks when you're enduring suffering. Give thanks when you don't know how the bills are going to align up. Give thanks when you're waiting upon God and you don't see God's answer and deliverance yet. Give thanks always. Yes. Hmm. Give thanks always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in spite of the circumstances. And by doing these things, we don't quench the spirit. But by contrast, if we don't do these things, we quench the spirit. There's no outpouring of the spirit. The reality is this, family. Because we have it in all things given thanks, because we haven't lived out a life where we're praying continually, because we haven't rejoiced always, we've quenched the Spirit. And as such, who the Lord has made us to be isn't manifesting and his glory isn't revealed in the earth through us as he desires. By not doing these things, we quench the spirit. The seed of the third great awakening is right here in this room. The seed of the third great awakening, I believe, is right here in this room. If and only we would pray. If and only we would rejoice always. If and only we would give thanks in all circumstances. People of God, you are revivalist. You've just heard and seen characteristics thereof. Praise is part of this. Worship is part of this. Prayer is bedrock to this. 
And the simple question to you today is this. Might you stand up and be who the Lord has called you to be? I started with my friend Sam's story, and I'm going to conclude there as well. Sam was a guy in a place where being a believer was a threat to his very life. And there were these folks in the Free Self Church, the government-sanctioned church, and there were folks in the underground churches. But what he experienced was feeling as if he was on a little island by himself in a little silo. He felt as if, you know, and the reason he came and found me the next day was because, oh my gosh, someone who kind of understands. He felt as if there's supposed to be something more in this repressive regime where there's this outpouring of this spirit that's supposed to pour out, but he's over here, and maybe there's another spark over there potentially, but there's nothing that brings folks together in a way where there's an actual movement that is spawned because of the outpouring of the spirit in the space and in the place. And then I sat there and I was thinking, man, that's actually not just China, that's here too. While we might not be under a repressive regime, what we do experience is very few places and spaces that are prophetic, that are open to the move of God, right? You know, there are all these church buildings filled with dead bones rotting. And what the Lord desires to see in this day and in this hour is a people of God understanding and recognizing that what's required is an upper room process so that his spirit might be poured out, we might be transformed and live out this culture of the revivalists that we're called to. There's a move of God that we've yet to see and it starts. It starts in the upper room. It starts in the upper room. I'm gonna invite you to stand. Stand up in the, bid, the Bridge Metro West upper room. Right where you're at. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes and if you need to move about your seat, you can. I'm gonna invite you to take a posture of prayer, a posture of prayer. For some of you, that's kneeling down. For some of you, that's standing up with your hands uplifted. For some of you, that's walking around. Your posture of prayer is what I'm going to invite you to stand in and take in this moment. Hallelujah. 
the call of God to us people of God is that we might walk in this mantle that's in this house from its inception this prophetic grace that's here the outpouring of God's spirit being poured out on all flesh requires an upper room prerequisite and then it requires a mindset that I'm going to rejoice always in praise regardless it requires I'm going to pray continually and maintain this intimate communion with the Lord throughout and it requires I'm going to give thanks regardless of what's happening in the circumstance. So with that being the case, Bridge, as we enter into this upper room, we're going to invite you right where you are to begin to pray. For some of you, this time of prayer is a prayer of repentance. Lord, I've drifted and I'm disconnected. For others, this prayer is a prayer of commissioning. Lord, I'm ready to finally say yes. For others, it's a prayer of, Lord, fill me anew because I desire to be who you've called me to be. Wherever you're at, I want to simply invite you to begin to pray. Let's pray. We're in the upper room. Let's pray. Father, here we are today before you, Lord, acknowledging, dear Father, that you have called us to live out this culture of the revivalist, to be examples, dear Father God, that allow our light to shine bright in this place so that folks who don't know you might be drawn unto you. King Jesus, what we have come to a realization of, dear Father God, is that far too often, Lord, we find ourselves limited and limiting our time, dear Father, with you. And as such, dear Father God, what you've called us to, what you've anointed us to do, what you have given us dreams and visions about, we don't live out, Lord. And the reason we don't live out, Lord, is simply because, Father God, we've forsaken, we've forsaken the upper room prerequisite. Daddy, we've entered into a season where we know you've called us and you've called us more than ever to be a people that understand what it means to pray. Oh, Father God, we know that there are some assigned intercessors in this house. We know, dear Father God, that there are those who you've called and placed a certain burden and mantle to pray. Father God, we're not remotely, not even remotely, Father God, uh, pushing that to the side. But Lord, upon your people, collectively and corporately, ought to be this mantle and this burden to pray. Oh, Jesus, might we be a people who walk into this charge and into this call to pray. Might we be a people, Lord, who walk into this call and charge to pray. Might we be a people, Father, committed to prayer. Might we be a people who understand and know 
listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidry is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.